If you followed our Facebook this week, the New Living Translation won. That won the competition between what translation we're going to read this morning. So, <laughs> uh, Luke chapter 7, I'm going to be in the New Living Translation here. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6. I just looked down and saw 7. <laughs> Luke chapter 6, we're going to start in 37. Here we go. Luke chapter 6, verses 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together, and make, to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts Open up our minds and our heart and our hands, Lord, to receive what you would have for us to receive here this morning. God, be present in a powerful way in our spirits to connect with you, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I lived in Seattle uh, for a year, and where I met my lovely, beautiful wife, Amberlynn, who is the mother of my two children, because uh, it's Mother's Day, got to throw the mother in there. <laughs> and so uh, when I lived there, so I moved there, and so as an intern, I would live with a family or two that, that, that was out there in Seattle already that went to the church. And uh, I got to know this, this gentleman for the first few months I lived there named Barney. I, lived, I got to live with him for three, four months when I first moved there. And Barney was the leader of this, this ministry at, Mar- at Mars Hill called Redemption Groups. And so it was great. It was, it was such a, an interesting, interesting introduction to, uh, to life in Seattle, to life in that culture. And the number one thing that I'll never forget that is, that is really honed into my life is Barney's ability to walk with someone in whatever, to, to be able to walk with them, to listen to their story, to listen to what they're saying, to listen to, to God's Holy Spirit as he is walking with them through trauma, through hurt, through sin, through joys and celebration, or just getting to know you. Wanting to, to hear where God's Holy Spirit wanted to direct that conversation. I'll never forget, we, there was another guy that moved in, another intern, um, and he was there for just a few months. And uh, he was suffering from a lot of hurt. Had left his fiance back, back, uh, back in you know, wherever they'd come from. I think actually here in Montana. I believe they were from Montana of all places. Um, not of all places, that came from nowhere. Um, <laughs> but, and so, um, <clears throat> and so he was having this conversation. He had a thought in his mind that he was going to basically tell this guy to go back home, to come back to Montana, marry his fiance, and then maybe come back later. Uh, and so in the, in the midst of this conversation, he was listening to the conversation and listening to where God was leading the conversation and entering into relationship with this, with this man, with this guy. And through that conversation, it actually stirred and steered a different direction. 
And, and Barney was saying, you know, you need to stay and we need to engage with you in a, in a more meaningful relationship so that you can be healthy to return to your fiance and push off the wedding until you're able to be healed of a lot of these different things in your life. But he was mindful of what was going on in his life. He was mindful, not because he had this, this judgment of him in his mind already. He had a thought of where he thought the conversation might go. And he was kind of going that direction, but it, it took a turn because he engaged him on a relational level, on a way that invited conversation, that invited relationship, that in, invited Barney into that area of his life. And the conversation steered because of the humility that he approached that conversation. And I always loved the Barney walks because the way that he did it wasn't, he, he didn't sit, sit down with you necessarily um, and occasionally he would, and he had like this whiteboard, he would write things on, on the whiteboard and everything. You t- could see your life story like in front of you. It's kind of crazy. But most of the time, you just went on a walk for a couple hours, just went down to Lincoln Park and you know, just talk and walk and stuff. And you never knew what kind of conversation it was going to be. He didn't know what kind of conversation it was going to be. He just wanted to enter into relationship, no matter if he was actually confronting wrong thinking, confronting sin confronting maybe a different, an, an area in, his, in, your, in your life where he maybe was seeing some brokenness and wanting to bring healing. But you always knew every time you left a conversation with Barney, you felt like you were loved by the grace of God. And I always, I, you know, inspiration-wise, I told him in Berlin, I was like, I want to be Barney. <laughs> I, would, I want to, to engage in relationship and have that characterized, no matter if I'm trying to correct someone, or just get to know someone, to, to find out more information, to, to guide someone, to lead someone, that no matter what the conversation's about, that every single conversation would be left with the person feeling more loved, more known, and more loved by God. And that's what Jesus' heart is here in this, in this passage that we've read here this morning. Is the main point that I want to get to here today is put down the gavel, love and be humble. Put down the gavel. It's not yours. And love and be humble. Now, let's look at a few of these words. Because I'm, I'm, if you haven't been you know, finding out since being here, I love words. Words are my, are my jam. I love going into the Greek, into the original languages, and pulling out the meanings like, what does this word mean? And what does this word mean in the context? Like, what does all this stuff mean? So let's look at the word judge. And I love this depiction that the net, the net translation brings out. It says, making a judgment that causes one to cut oneself off from someone. So they cease to be reached out to. To separate and divide. This is the concept of, you know, when the angels come and they, they take all of humanity and divide them into the right and to the left. The, the wheat and the chaff. This is the, that word that, the, that, that is used. They come and they judge. They divide. They separate. And this also to pronounce an opinion concerning something or other. So the point is this. We want, we, are, we want to place ourselves in the position of judge. But we ought to place ourselves in the position to lavish love and mercy. That's Jesus' point in this. He brings out that word judge. We, we want to place ourselves on this position of being the one that makes the decisions. You know, the judge is the one that makes the decisions whether right, right or wrong. That gets to define what is true and what is not true. What is right, what is wrong. 
because of our observations. And then let's look at that, that second word, condemn. Condemn means to pass a negative sentence. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, if you ever watch the movie Gladiator, and, every, you know, the, the whole crowd is there, and like one person's on the ground, they've been wounded, maybe their, their leg is broken, they're like on the ground, and the guy has the axe of the sword, and they're about to kill him, and he looks up at the emperor, and the emperor is sitting there going, he's going to make a decision of whether this guy down there lives or dies. And so the word for, the, for condemn was this word that meant that the emperor went like this in the Colosseum, and meant kill him. The, thir- the thumbs down, which means guilty, death sentence. That means, that's what it means to condemn, is to thumbs down someone, to condemn them. But look, look at this, this next word. I, lo- I love this, this contrast between judging and condemning, and then now he brings out this word forgive. This word forgive means to pardon. Deciding not to feel resentment for wrongs. To set free it's also, this, this has a connotation that you allow or permit someone to leave, to depart, free from fear of vindication. Now here, here's the, the most important part of this. It's not implying that there was not wrong or evil that was done. Or justifying that what was done was okay. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. There was still a wrong that was done. There was still an evil that was performed. Remember that word evil means that which either ends in destruction or vanity. Sin means wrong thinking which leads to wrong action. It doesn't deny that there was no wrong done. When God forgives you, he's not saying, I don't see that you ever did anything wrong. He says, I forgive that I have pardoned it. <clears throat> Amberlin and I just got debt free. About what, about, about a month or so ago? A month and a half ago? We just got debt free out of $105,000 a little over two years ago. Dave Ramsey, y'all. Dave Ramsey. We're going to do it again. <laughs> it was, you know, so because we were, were debt free, we can say we're debt free, that doesn't mean that we never had debt. We had a debt. And now we've been liberated from that debt. And Amberlin and I still are paying payments to our, our loan company. No, no we're not. Because it's been paid off. We have been pardoned from it. There's now no more debt to be paid. The federal government has no tap on my finances anymore, except for taxes, but (laughs) that's what it means to be forgiven. God, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you proclaim him as Lord of your life, you pledge allegiance to God and him only in your life, you claim him as Lord of your life, that he has saved you, that the cross was for you, that his blood was shed to cover your life and your sins, your shame, your guilt. And you say, Jesus, I believe it and I receive it. You receive his love. You, for, you receive his forgiveness. He has pardoned all of your sin. Forgiven it. Past, present, 
future. All of your sins. Remember this, guys. Remember this. Please write this down in your journal. Put it on your mirror in the morning so it reminds you every single morning all of your sin was future to Jesus when he was dying on the cross. Which means that all of your trespasses have been pardoned. Have been forgiven. He has set you free, Galatians 5. In order to act, not just to depart free from vindication, but to approach him without fear of judgment or vindication. You can approach the throne of God, come into the presence of God. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He is showing you the Father. He is showing you God's love, God's heart for you, as he is telling us what to do with one another. That's why, again, going back to that concept of the way. We in the church are followers of the way. The very first name for the church, you know, Christians in the early church was followers of the way. And this is Jesus teaching the way. This is the way. And when we learn these aspects of the way, we go back and see that that, you know, the, the reason why it's the way is because it's the heart of the Father coming through Jesus, through one another. That's the whole power and the purpose of the one another is to show each other God as Jesus showed us God. And he poured that out on us. Now here, here, here's something I want, I want us to encourage us with to hear this morning. We need to find another way to speak forgiveness. In our culture, oftentimes it's, you know, we say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I think subconsciously, a lot of times people, at least my, kid, my kids, I see it played out. It's okay. Okay, it's, I can do it again. No, don't do it again. It's not, because that almost in, in hearing it says, what you did was okay. Versus I know the, the, the meaning of it's like, you know, we're okay. And maybe you can say that. We're okay. I forgive you and we're okay. We have been reconciled. Seeking forgiveness, showing forgiveness. And this, the whole concept of this, of this, of this passage is, as we get into this, give and you will receive. Forgive others and give. I love how in, in our English language, you know, have forgive and then give. Um, you give and you will receive. What are you giving? Forgiveness. You're giving grace. You're giving, again, the, the last verse of last week. You must be compassionate or merciful just as your Father is merciful and compassionate. Give mercy. It's, it's all about, Jesus is saying, replacing a hard, critical, dismissive view of people with understanding, mercy, and compassion. That's what we're getting into. That's what Jesus' point is in this whole thing. Take yourself off of the judgment seat. Because Jesus himself alone belongs there. And forgive. Don't condemn. Because again, remember that, that word for, for, ju for judging and, and condemning is this putting this thing in between you, separating you in relationship. 
it automatically puts you on this place of, of a higher level. The, the holier than thou's, or as it's called, you know, the holy rollers, right? Which is the, the name of, I, I, you know, kind of nicknamed Amberlynn and I's Uber driving business, the holy rollers. Uh, <laughs> it's when we place ourselves above. But what did Jesus say? Who is greatest in the kingdom of God? Those who humble themselves and become a servant. He doesn't say the ones who elevate themselves above people and say, this, you know, my will be done, like Bruce Almighty. My will be done! We don't actually say that, but oftentimes we live it. My days of uh, being the Facebook warrior, the social media warrior guy, that's exactly what I was doing. Putting myself up on this position where you little minions need to, you know, be little peons, Need to, I'm in, I'm in seminary. Which apparently is a, is a symptom of being in seminary. You get really arrogant. <laughs> or as we like to call it, cemetery. But, uh, <laughs> but it, and that's why it says, you know, the, the, they, Paul even warns, knowledge puffs up. So our faith is not about accumulating knowledge in order to, rule over people with our knowledge. I know more than you and you need to repent. It's coming and engaging. Like Barney, remember? Like Barney, going for a walk with someone, engaging them in relationship. What is it? Replacing that hard, critical, dismissive view, view of people. Well, I'm going to go to that church, but if they say something I disagree with, I'm going to go to the church down the street. And then the next street. And then the next street. It's replacing that critical heart with a heart to engage in compassion. To, again, the power of the table, which I'll probably talk about in my Coffee with Alan this, this week. The power of the table, bringing people together around a meal or a coffee or, or some, something, coming to the table. Even if it's a coffee table in the living room, bringing people together around the table brings reconciliation brings conversation, engaging, inviting. Again, put down the gavel and engage in love and humility. And I love this illustration that he gives in, in 38. Your gift will return to you in full. When you give, when you forgive, when you lavish things upon others, you're, you know, it's, it's like you're getting this bag. Envision this bag you know, for you know, collecting flour. Right? Or, or seed or something like that. So you've got this, this, this bag and you're, you're filling it up. You're filling it up. And it's, you're pressed down, shaken you know, together to make room for more. Running over, poured into your lap. What, what is that talking about? Forgiveness, mercy, love, grace. As he says in the scripture passage, the amount or the measure you use will be measured back to you. Think, think about that imagery. It's, you know, this bag, when, you, when you're filling it up, I should have brought a jar or something, but, you know, when you fill it up and you want to make room for more, what do you do? You pat it down. You shake it. Shake it together. And then you fill it back up again. Fill it up more again. And then you shake it back down again. And you get, make room for more. You pack it down. And then you're like, overflowing. I can't fit anymore. But it's, oh, I just keep dumping it in. Keep dumping it in. 
And what is it that we're filling our bags with? What is it that we're filling other people's bags with? We're filling it with forgiveness, mercy, love, grace. Because the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. I love this illustration that he gives in Proverbs 21. The one who pursues righteousness and faithful love, again, that's like that agape love, that chesed, that faithful love, will find life, righteousness, and honor. We'll find good things. What is the point? The standards, measures, amount you use of judgment, condemnation, or mercy, forgiveness, whatever it is, either good or evil, the standard measure that you use, that you apply to others, will be applied back to you. I want to make this illustration by others. Oftentimes, you know, a lot of a lot of scholars kind of disagree over both of these things, um, and that's why that's one of the main reasons why I used the NLT was it. I was I was thinking that I, I believe that they were pulling out. I believe the the, the intention behind the, the Greek text in that it's by others. Oftentimes, we can read this passage and say, "If I judge other people, then God is going to judge me." If I don't forgive, now there's an element in the, in the Lord's Prayer, but that's a different section of Scripture. This is talking about when we behave and when we lavish to others, either good or bad, those others will lavish back to us. The same thing. I mean, like we talked about, what, the golden rule that we talked about last week. Do unto others as you, one done to you. The amount you forgive, the amount that you love and give grace, or the amount that you condemn and judge and are critical of others, the same is going to be applied back to you. This reciprocity. Not karma. Let me, let me just, again, let me just kind of correct that a little bit. Karma is, a, is paganism. <laughs> karma is not Christian. Even the belief that they talk about karma is just at the end of someone's life, the good outweighing the bad, and then they elevate to the next level of reincarnation. So that's what karma means. At the end of your life, it's not like I did this bad thing and then something bad happened to me, like instant, like instant karma. Not a thing. Let me just correct that right off the bat. <laughs> so even though I love watching those videos on Facebook of the instant karma, you know, <laughs> someone speeds by and cuts someone off and a police officer sees him and goes and pulls him over. Yes! Right? I know. I was like, someone's speeding by. Where's the cop? Where's your cop when you need one? And they slide off the road. I'm like, ha Instant karma. Just kidding. Don't say that. That's terrible. But the point is that. By others. Because, let, me, let us remind you, let me remind you. Remember, all of your sin is future to God. All of your, I'm sorry. All of your sin was future to God and his death on the cross forgave all of it when you come to faith in Jesus. Because he says in Romans 8, chapter one, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. The word, forgiven, pardoned, set you free. No vindication. Set you free from the law of sin and death. And the great love passage Love is patient, love is kind, love does, love does not envy, it does not boast, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of 
wrongs. The record, the measure, the account, the amount. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but receives, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The amount of endurance that you put into a relationship is the amount of endurance that you're going to get back. I want to make sure that we understand this. This is not a works-based relationship. This is not a works-based salvation with God, relationship with God. You have to keep a short account with God. No. There's now no condemnation. The law has set you free. Hebrews 10.14 He has perfected for all time those who he is saving. Because God endures all things. Because his perfect love endures all things. So that you can endure all things. The way that you love others isn't by gauging the amount or the or the quality of love that you want to give out based upon the love that they've given you. You lavish love because God has lavished love on you. You lavish grace and forgiveness on others, not because they deserve it. Well, he left the toilet seat up again. Well, he didn't put his toothbrush away again. He came home drunk again. They spoke awful, horrible words to me again. They failed me yet again. It gets hard. But we lavish love because we have first been loved. And so we don't lavish the amount of love that we've received. We lavish the, you know, from the other person. We lavish the love that we have received from Christ through his Holy Spirit. And then that love transforms that other person's love. And they're able to respond when they encounter Christ as well. When they encounter Christ's love, when any of us encounter any bit of Christ's love, it changes us. It makes it better. It changes the circumstances in our minds. It transforms our life because Look at this, this concept of give, forgive, lavish, you know, give over. It'll be running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give. Because our generous God is interested in what we're willing to give and what he, and he wants to, wants our motivation to overflow from the love and generosity that we experience in him. But he wants us to first encounter his generosity so that we can lavish that love on others. Because judgment puts you in this posture of of speaking and condemning. I'm going to blast social media. I'm going to blast this person. I'm going to make sure that you know all the reasons why you are wrong. But generosity puts you in a posture of listening 
and, and giving love. Again, like Barney. Be cool, be like Barney. Engage in a relationship. Let the, let the conversation steer where it's going. Listen so that you can find areas where you can pour grace. So you can find areas where you can pour God's mercy. Even silly things in your marriage, like you know, toilet seat and and you know, whatever you know, little, little little things in your marriage, right? Or in your family, some of the and the bigger things. This is where having those grace and the mercy and the little things will transform when you need to lavish and pour out love in the big things. I'm preaching to myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't nag the wife about the fill in the blank. Generosity puts you in this posture of listening, of literally even walking with someone to welcome in that relationship. And he gives this illustration. You know, and there's, there's four, and we'll, we'll get to the, the other two next week, but I want to kind of touch on a couple of them here this morning. So the blind lean the blind, <clears throat> right? So he uses this illustration that, you know, can one blind person lead another? Oh, pff, no. You're going to both up into, end up in a ditch, <laughs> somewhere, right? It's like, where do we find our guidance? God. We find our guidance through the word of God, through the scripture, through having a relationship with him, asking for his guidance. And, again, I want, I want to remind us to come together as the body of Christ to encourage and to build one another up in love. Because through our relationships in community, God can lead us together to encourage one another and to steer one another. To bear one, as we bear one another's burdens, as we forgive one another, right? Jesus even says, you know, 23, talking, about the, talking to the Pharisees, woe to you, blind guides, blind fools, blind people, blind Pharisee. He says a lot. You are blind and you're trying to lead God's people and you are, you're blind because why? They have shut themselves off from hearing from God. And they're only concerned about their traditions and the way that they have, been, have cultivated the life of one of God's people and have fled from what God really intended. Here's the point. What is, what is Jesus' teaching point with this? Be careful who you learn from. And be careful what you teach. This is very, this is a, a personal thing for me. Like being careful what I teach. And you know, I get defensive sometimes when people try to, you know, try to correct me in a way that makes me feel like I've been teaching falsely. But I want to make sure that I'm being fair and being saying, okay, maybe I have. I need to stop. I need to change that. I need to repent of that. I need to apologize whenever I misspeak, whenever I wrongly endorse something, right? I need to have that, get that same humility to have, to receive grace, to receive that steering because I'm trusting that someone else is hearing from God as well. And so being careful what I teach and what you and we, you know, we teach one another because here's the thing, you will embody who you follow. You will embody the videos that you watch on social media. You will embody the, the talking head on the news channel that you watch. You will embody the person that you listen to, your, your, your barber or whoever, whoever you let into your life to speak into your life. 
you will start to embody the way that they speak, the opinions that they have, the way that they interact with other people. So the more that you're able to surround yourself with people who love and, and listen to Jesus, the more that you will know how to love and listen to Jesus and do the same for others. And so do you spend time with Jesus? Because again, there's that point again. He wants us to put down the gavel. Stop judging and condemning. Engage him to live in love and humility. And that's the way that he lives. And then this fun, you know, a fun illustration, right? The, the, the log, you know, and someone, you know, yelling at someone with a little splinter in their eye, right? <laughs> it's just, this illustration, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, all these things are supposed to be funny. Like, Jesus is funny. Jesus is a funny guy. You know, using all these crazy illustrations, like, can the blind people leave the blind? It's like a log in your eye. You got a little splinter in your eye. Next we will get to, you know, you know figs. You know, is it capable to pick, you know, pick figs from thorns? No. But he uses these cartoons, which I, I love this cartoon, to, to illustrate a point. Humility. Not perfection. Have compassion. What? To help. I love the illustration because it's interesting how a lot of people will use, will use this, this illustration. Like, you can't judge me. the last group. Yeah, they, they, they got the tattoos. Only God can judge me. Back off, Pharisee. Stop judging me. Stop telling me that I'm doing anything wrong. This is the main thing, right? Feeling that judgment because can we just be honest, y'all? Christians can be the, some of the most judgmental jerks. I was one of them. And sometimes, apparently it can still be, and I'm trying not to be. I try to be kind and compassionate, but sometimes I can come across strongly. I'm very opinionated in some areas. And Merlin's saying, no, you're not opinionated. It's okay. <laughs> you're learning. Awesome. Someone's listening. Great. <laughs> but if you'll notice in this illustration, what does it say? Friend... Let me help you get that speck out of your eye. When you can't see the log in your own eye, what? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. What? Then. Or so that. It's not this, don't ever speak into my life. It's, okay, I need to deal with my own heart first. So that I can, again, have this heart of humility. And then what? Have compassion to help. Because that's God's desire is he wants to help us to bear with one another, forgive one another, build one another up in love, to engage, to get the log out of our own eye so that we can help one another, so that we can love and invite in a relationship with one another, so that we can find healing and restoration with and for one another. Again, put down the gavel and love and be humble. It's all about cultivating an attitude change. Because our, our motives are important. Why do we want to correct someone else? Is it because we want to feel more intellectually and morally superior to someone else? To be a holy roller? No, it's to help. You know, think about the, the, the contrast between this. Like a judge or a condemner, you know, sitting in their ivory tower, 
over someone versus the helper. Someone boots on the ground, in the pit with someone, being the lighthouse for God's mercy, God's love. Being that, that shower of God's grace. As we look at Romans chapter 14, it says this, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience, conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge, whether they stand or fall. And with, the, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holier than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. They're talking about the Sabbath and, and days of rest and fasting and stuff. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat a certain kind of food so you know, do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and the dead. Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we, with, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Put down the gavel. Step off the judgment seat and love and be humble. That's your job. Your job is to show the love, the grace, the humility, the joy, the restoration of God to one another and to a world that's dying to know it. A world that keeps trying to fill that with everything else besides God. And everything that they fill it with turns out to be toxic. Identity after identity after identity. Versus what does it look like to, to have a posture of open arms? Come and experience the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Come and sit around my table with me so that you can sit around the table with someone who loves God and who is loving you out of the love of God. No matter if you return it or not. That is what a yearning, desiring world needs most is to engage and encounter the living God through you. And that's what we need. We need to encounter the, 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 the living God through each other through forgiveness. So I says, forgive one another. So put down the cowboy.
place yourself into a posture of inviting relationship so that you can pour out the love and the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we thank you for so much for this time together. We pray that your word would sink down deep into our hearts and that we would experience first and foremost your love and your compassion, your grace, your mercy, so that we can experience a way to pour that out and invite others and engage others with that same love, joy, grace, forgiveness, and peace. Serve with one another, serve with within us, God, this desire to share that, to lavish that on others by first experiencing it ourselves. So let us experience that right now in this moment as we remember your death and burial and resurrection, as we take communion. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.